James chapter number four. Look at verse one. We'll see a little bit of a theme here. It says, even of your lusts that war in your members. Verse number two, it starts off, ye lust. Verse number three in James chapter four, it ends with, uh, that you may consume it upon your lust. I'd say that uh, I'd say that people have some lust problems if I were to read James chapter number four. And look at the fourth verse. It says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We better be careful. We better be careful who our friends are. I'd like to submit to you this morning, just like the Israelites had an idol, had a golden calf. May I submit to you this morning that America has a golden calf? And I'd say it's sports. I'd say say there's going to be a lot of idolatry going on this evening. They call the new golden calf today for millions of people is the super bale. I really believe that. Why do you say that? Well, let's see if we can get some help this morning. And you'll learn why. You got to be careful what you preach about in the pulpit nowadays, because if you kick, you start messing with America's sports gods, you're going to have yourself a problem. Now, not with God, just with people that say that they're God's people. I'm talking about Christians that have more interest in sports than they do of God. That's a problem. Is there anything wrong with sports? No. But there's something wrong with sports being more important to God. So we're going to we're going to kick the golden calf this morning. You know that uh, you can you people say, man, I don't know where they get the money, but people are spending five thousand dollars for a ticket. And they think I'm insane for preaching a message like this. Five thousand dollars for a ticket. You get five million dollars and you can get on one of the commercials. You think they're going to have a gospel presentation for 30 seconds? You think they're calling up any conservative church to say, hey, we'd like to give you a nonprofit rate. We just think because millions of people are tuning in, we just want to get the gospel out for 30 seconds. You think that's going to happen? I don't think it is. Parking. People will gladly pay to park. I looked it up. They said they're charging over $120. You imagine if a church did that. And people would be outraged. Man, you're charging people $120 to park. People would be in an uproar. They would be outraged. Do you know how many Christians are not outraged at the fact that many Christians don't cheerfully give to God's work? Where's our priority? If you've come, if you've come to Pilgrim Baptist any length of time, you know we rarely talk about money. Although Jesus talked about it a whole lot during His earthly ministry, but we try the best we can to preach God's word. When we come to things on money, we'll talk about it, but we don't pass an offering plate on. We have an offering box in the back because we want people to be moved by God's Holy Spirit to cheerfully give. Not because the preacher was able to develop to develop a compelling, emotionally driven message to get you to fork over cash. We're not going to do that here. Let me ask you this. Think about this. 
the amount of money that is filtered into sports, if that money was filtered into the efforts of local New Testament churches that preach the gospel, do you think we would have little pockets of revival start to be a little flame across our nation? I think we would. I know it's hard to find a good Bible-believing church. I know it is. Look, I've been on the other side of it. We desire to be a good Bible-believing church. But it isn't about the preacher being a good preacher, although he should be, as far as understanding the text of the Scripture. But we need good church members that want to be all in for Jesus. Not their big toe in on Sunday, and then the rest of their body is somewhere else. All in. Just like the football fans are all in. Salaries range upward of $35 million. And you have people that are worried about, you have evangelical Christians in America that are worried about what the preacher makes. How come nobody's worried about what the athletes make? How come nobody doesn't go to the big game because the athletes get paid too much? Well, they're all about the money. Yet the charge comes on good Bible-believing preachers. Well, he's just all about the money. I sure aren't. I ain't getting rich over this. The charge comes to the preacher. Why doesn't, go, why doesn't it go to the athletes that they idolize? I'll tell you why. Lust and idolatry. Are there some preachers that are in it for the money? Yes. And they're in it for the wrong reason. I think we can all agree to that. Men I know, the men I learn from, the men I've been mentored by, they're not. They're not. Go to 2 Corinthians 6, please. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, look at verse number 14. Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, except on Super Bowl Sunday you get a pass to drink, get involved in all types of foul language, and look at images that no Christian ought not look at. You talking about the game? No, I'm talking about the commercials and the halftime show and the crowd that's involved it says for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness well i get a pass because it's my favorite sports hero no you don't you give yourself a pass but god doesn't and what conquered hath christ with belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of god with idols for ye are the temple of the living god as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. Maybe this question is out of place for the members that are here this morning. 
and the visitors that are attending Pilgrim Baptist Church. But I will ask it as a general question to myself, to you, to anyone listening online. Who's your God? Who's your God tonight at 6 o'clock? Who's your God on Monday at 9 o'clock? Who's your God on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Who's your God? Yet millions of churches, instead of having preaching at an afternoon or an evening service, they're going to live stream the big game. Those ministers should shut down that building immediately. Should get in a good Bible-believing church. Be taught the word of God. Be compelled by the spirit of God. And then consider getting into the ministry after they've gotten like God. May I say to you unequivocally, I do not believe that football is a sin. I do not believe that having fun playing football is a sin at all. But we will never live stream a football game to bring in big crowds at Pilgrim Baptist Church. That will happen over my dead body. It's not going to happen. If you want to shout something, stand up and shout amen. But we're not standing up and shouting touchdown. As grown men celebrate other grown men running around a gridiron in their tights. And we are, we are, we are dying. Bible-believing churches are dying. Preachers are, are they're, 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 they're renting their clothes, so to speak, to try to get Christians who say they want a good Bible-believing church. And when they find one and don't get plugged in, but they're plugged into sports and other idolatrous activities, it's just what... Who, who is your God? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. This. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews 10. I want you to think about this. Hebrews 10. Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse number 24, let us consider one another. I wish it worked both ways because I believe biblically it should work both ways. There are days in the week where I am not considering everyone in my heart, in my mind. What I said I was gonna who I said I was gonna pray for on Sunday, I forgot when Monday rolled around. There are days when I don't consider you. I am sure there are days and times in your life where you don't consider one another or me. But the Bible tells us that we should consider one another 
to provoke unto love and to good works. And then it says, okay, so uh, there's nothing wrong with you provoking me and me provoking you and you provoking each other. There's nothing wrong. It's biblical to do that. And then it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And people that don't want to go to church say, well, you don't need to be saved. Going to church ain't going to save you. Wherever two or three together, gather together, and I am in the midst. And, and they say statements that are true, because that, that's true. To avoid obeying another truth. I'm not trying to be hard for the sake of being hard. I'm trying to draw out a contrast. We have people that drive an hour to come to church here. 45 minutes, 30 minutes to be with God's people. If more Christians would think like that, we wouldn't have an issue with assembling together. You don't have to compel any football fan to assemble today and get excited about the big game. It happens by default. They just show up and they're excited. I got some thoughts I'm going to hold to the end. So I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony and hopefully that'll help help somebody. But we're not canceling services. We're having our afternoon service. And Brother Kelly's bringing the message. And it's going to be a message from the Bible. And it says, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are not going to cancel our afternoon service in exchange for the celebration of the Super Bowl. We're not going to do it. And the reason some churches go down that road is because they have more respect for football. They have more respect for football players. They have more respect for football coaches than they do God's people, God's word, and God's preachers. And they're told, well, you just get to be with your unchurched friends. But whatever you do, don't share the gospel with them. Just show up. Don't worry about coming to church. Just show up at the party and just connect. Just can be soft, be light. But don't you dare spiritualize anything. If you see an athlete that has John 3.16, you leave that alone. You don't talk about that. You would expect that from the world. You would not expect that from someone that calls themselves a preacher. Yet many preachers tell their people that as they cancel service for tonight. Just hang out. Just be a normal person. I thought it is normal to talk about spiritual things. Now, granted, you don't want to be the guy in the middle of a sports game to run out in the field and start preaching the gospel. We all understand there's a time and a place, right? When we do outreaches, we do it before the football game. 
when people are mingling, we try to, we try to meet the culture halfway and say, Hey, we're here. We'd like to talk to you before the big game starts. And then once the game starts, okay, we're done. So there's, there's a context, there's a time and a place. There isn't a time and place ever for a Christian to forsake assembling and forsake church for sports. There isn't. And when I tell you my testimony, you'll look, I'm, I'm trying, I am trying to do what I'm asking you to consider. And I've done some of the things that I'm asking you to consider doing all day. People will spend all day outside in February cold, screaming, shouting, painting their face and their body the team colors, drinking, cussing, out in the temperatures of February in the winter, and they will have a good time doing it. They'll have a great time. You say, what's wrong with having a great time? Nothing. But when good Bible-believing preachers say, hey, we have an outreach. We're going to be outside for half the day. It's going to be cold. It's going to be snowing. But one of the men gets to lift their voice and say, Jesus saves. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Have you trusted him? No, they can't do it. But they can stand outside in the cold. Fly, eagle, fly. You're not an eagle and you're not flying. And the team doesn't know who you are and they don't care about you. And preachers care about their people. They know their people. They pray for their people. That's all they think about. These football players don't care about you. When you're sick, they're not visiting you in the hospital. If the church wants to do more evangelistic outreach, they're not writing a check. To, they're not writing a check. It's going to a Bentley. It's going to another million dollar vacation home. It just bothers me that Christians will lift their voice for their favorite football team and they won't lift their voice for Jesus. It just bothers me. And I want it, I want it to bother you. It's not just a game. The NFL has become a religion. And the liturgical calendar starts in April with the draft and it ends in February with the Super Bowl. They have Sunday worship on purpose, by design, and it's all day, multiple services. Who's coming back tonight? Preacher, that's too hard. Preacher, you say things like that, people are going to leave. My job isn't to be your best friend. My job is to preach the word of God. So the Holy Spirit of God so works in your heart 
that you desire the things of God like a sports fan desires his favorite players. Midweek service, Thursday night, Monday night, whenever they have the game, everybody's there. Then they got their patron saints. Who are the patron saints? It's all the Hall of Famers, man. And you know what the God is? It's the God of winning. Winning. And we're praying to God that we can have enough money to do church renovations. And a football stadium starts upward of $1.5 billion. You know who funds that? You and I. I want to be the best fan for Jesus Christ that I could be. Amen. And I'm asking you to think the same way. Be the best fan for Jesus that you can be. Everybody complains about the last days when they look out and they hear of an earthquake that happened. But I want to go to 2 Timothy 3 and I want to show you something. You've heard me say this so many times, you're probably sick of me hearing it. The last days for the church are not, are not the same as the last days for Israel. And all Christians are looking around for physical things, thinking that they're in the last days, and they're not. They're the last days for Israel that are coming. You know what the last days are for us? I'll show you. Go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You say, preacher, you going to tell me that, 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 that football and the Super Bowl is, we're in, is, is, is a reflection of the last days? Yes, that's where I'm going. Watch. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud. Did I stop there? You have grown men kissing a trophy. You have adult men and women hailing down to athletes, trying to get their hand to tr touch the Super Bowl trophy. They're celebrating, churches are celebrating a preacher all across the nation today who is coming out in the jersey of their favorite team. And they've got this thing split for this team over here, this team over there. And they're, they're the preacher, and he's all for it. They're cheering for the wrong team. I'm talking about in church. Men are lovers of their own selves. They're covetous. They're boasters. They're proud. They're blasphemers. Disobedient parents, unthankful. And it says, unholy. You know how I know we're in the last days? Because Paul, in the Holy Spirit's inspiration, says there's going to be a form of godliness in verse 5. And there's going to be a spiritual void in people's hearts. We're in the last days of the church because people love themselves and the crowd.
Galatians 5. I don't think you could miss it in Galatians. Galatians chapter number 5. If you've ever come early, especially on an afternoon or an evening service, you may see I'm out on the front uh, throwing the football with my kids. For my kids. You know why? Because we enjoy throwing the football around. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what we need more dads doing? Just throwing the football around with their kids. Time. If you don't put time into them, there's going to be a football fan that will be waiting to put time in. The time that you can, the time that you take to consider one another will reap its reward over a decade. We need to invest time into our young people because there are other avenues that will invest time into them. Look at Galatians 5. I know I asked you to turn there. Look at verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication. What do you think is happening at halftime? Uncleanness, lasciviousness, here it is, idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. And here's the one I want to get to, revelings. It's a night of luxurious entertainment. Filthy music. Girls dress the way they ought not be dressed. And whoever the performer is tonight, may I remind you that she was created by God, gentlemen. May I remind you that she has a father, fathers. And the way she's going to act and the way she's going to move and the way she's going to dress, it's all about revelings. It's all about uncleanness. It's all about encouraging fornication. You say it's just a game. It is not just a game. It is not just a game. The halftime show, every year they're dialing up to be more, more they're more bent. Every year it's more toward the LGD, the, 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 the alphabet soup crowd. I can't say all the letters in a row. All of it is. It's geared toward that. Every year, it's more of it, more of it, more of it, more of it. And you've got million-dollar athletes, million-dollar models, million-dollar investors that are trying to force that down your throat and down your kid's throat. It's hedonistic idolatry. Excess consumption and pornography and i don't want to watch it moral perversion mixed with humanistic philosophy that is what you are going to get between the first half and the second half that's what you're going to get i don't believe you preacher you're either going to a watch it and 
you're going to find out that I'm right. Or B, you're going to heed the warning and say, you know what? I don't want that coming into my eyes, my ears, or my soul. Look, I know it's filthy. I've got a septic tank at my house. When we built the house, the new septic tank come in. I look down. Oh, yeah, that's great. They put the lid on it. They cover it with the dirt. I never have to dig that up and look down to know that it stinks down there. I never have to do that. I don't wake up every morning and say, you know what? Let me get, let, hey, kids, let's go out and let's dig up the septic tank, lift, lift the lid, and, and let's stick our head down there and see if it's really that bad. It's not bad. Why are you saying that? That's the halftime show. That's the halftime show. I don't want any parts of it, and I want you to not have any parts of it. <clears throat> it's all works of the flesh. Verse number 21, it says, envyings, murders, drunkenness. You know how many, how many millions of dollars will be made today by Anheuser-Busch and all the rest of them? All those liquor companies? It's wicked liquor. And if there's one thing that'll get you to hell quicker, it's wicked liquor. It will. Whatever happened to having a sober mind? Whatever happened to having a meek and a quiet spirit? You have grown men that will take all day getting themselves drunk. And then when their team doesn't win, they will smash their TV. They will wreck their house. There will be all types of revelings that's directly connected to the works of the flesh and drunkenness. You say, that's not me, preacher. I'm telling you, that's the culture of this whole religion that has infiltrated people's minds. Isaiah 42. We okay? Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42, look at verse number 8. It says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. I don't think there's anything sinful or wrong with football. If your kid plays football, I'm not against you, football team, the football coach, or your child. I am not. I am talking about something much broader and much bigger. It's not just a game. Who is your God? God said, I am the Lord. That's my name. You want to cheer for somebody else? That's glory that's owed me. I want us to get serious about serving and giving glory to God. Billy Sunday left professional baseball to get into ministry. His first game was, was with the Chicago White Sox. His last game was with the Philadelphia Phillies. He gave 10 reasons why, why he left. Here's one of them. He said, because it develops a spirit of jealousy and selfishness. 
One's whole desires are for personal success. Regardless of what befalls others. Billy Sunday died in 1935. Look up Billy Sunday. Do some reading about him. Eric Liddell, he was a Scottish rugby player and sprinter. Eric Liddell became a missionary to China. In, 19, in 1924, at the Summer Olympics in Paris, Eric Liddell refused. One second. He refused to run the 100-meter race which was his favorite race. It was the race that he won all the time. And so therefore at the 1924 Olympics, he was favored to win that race. The race was on Sunday. Eric Liddell refused to ride. Eric Liddell was a man. The men running out on the field today on Sunday are not men. They're little boys running around in their little uniforms, taking glory from God. If you want to play football, play it on a Saturday. Play it on a Friday. He decided to run the 400 meter at the 1924 Olympics because it was on a, a weekday. Now that's good. Eric Liddell died in 1945. Look him up. Let your kids read about him. Get some heroes of the faith, not heroes of this society, this hedonistic society. Now I'll tell you my testimony. I was never a professional athlete. I was never good enough to get to that level. I was never a Billy Sunday professional. I was never a Eric Lydell. But in my little world, I was okay. Now, it might be hard for some of the kids to believe it. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was a day where I was actually athletic. And I can tell you from personal experience that if you're not careful, it will consume every ounce of your being. Because the goal is to win. And when I showed up at the tournament, it was not to have fun. It was not to make friends. It was not to impress my wife or my students or my teammates. I was there for one reason and one reason only. To win. To win. That's why when I signed somebody's Bible, if a kid asked me to sign their Bible, I'll, I'll put Philippians 3.8. I do that on purpose, with purpose. Look that verse up. I was there to win. And when I trained my students in martial arts, the goal was for them to go and win. There wasn't anything else. If you were on the competition team, you had one thing you needed to do when you showed up at the tournament. Win. 
because winning isn't everything is only for those that lose. <laughs> that was the philosophy. But God started to get a hold of me and I started to change because his Holy Spirit was working in me and it wasn't the works of the flesh that kept being manifest. So I sold my martial art academy so that I can fully start devoting my life more wholly to serve God. Now that was a personal choice. I'm not saying you need to make that choice. I'm not saying that's the right choice for you, but it was the right choice for me. Because I knew in my heart what was most important to me. I was saved. But God was not first place. Church was not first place. But God began to work with me. And now many of you, if you've been here any length of time, you know I work. I, I, I just love being here with the saints. I love having the opportunity to open God's word and teach God's word. I just want to be around God's people and serve God more. That's all I want. And many of you know, I, I work, and I'm not ashamed of that. I don't think I'm, I'm not complaining, or I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm just saying. I've told my staff, and they've stopped asking. Oh, this tournament's getting really big. There's a lot of competitors starting to sign up. Do you think maybe next year we can do a Sunday tournament? No. No. Well, how are we going to get? We're not going to get. We're going to cap the numbers. We're going to cut the tournament short. We're not running a tournament on Sunday. Why? Because I think people should be in the church house. Not playing sports. Well, is that going to send you to hell? No. But why is that your excuse when the preacher offers you a better opportunity? It's better for me to be here with you. So we can get charged and we can learn God's word and we put God first and we're more excited about him than us winning. We're more excited about cheering for Jesus than we are cheering for anybody else. If you were offered a ticket today, if you were offered a ticket to go to the Super Bowl tonight, would you take it? Many of us won't ever have that opportunity. So we tend to not think about that thought. But honestly, if someone were to offer me a ticket, if they were to offer me a ticket, I wouldn't be excited to go. You know, on a Friday, maybe. On a, on a Saturday, maybe. On a Thursday, maybe. Well, I got church Thursday, so that's out. Why? Because assembling with you is more important to me than assembling with some strangers who don't care about me. Christ was willing to die for you. Most people are not willing to be in the church house on a Sunday. They'll claim the name of Christ who is willing to bleed out on the cross. Yet, those same people will get more excited about cheering for someone else than they will cheering for Jesus Christ. People draw up nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. That game's going to happen tonight, and for weeks, for weeks, people are going to be talking about the game. You see how this guy threw that ball, and you see how this running back did that, and you see how they will talk about it for weeks at the job, at family gatherings. Let me ask you something. 
I know this is I know this isn't a Billy Sunday level sermon, <laughs> but let me ask you this: Are you going to talk about this sermon the same way football fans talk about the game? Okay, take this sermon out of the equation. The best sermon that you heard all week online. Are Christians going to be talking about that as much as the football fans are talking about this game? Because it's going to go on for at least a week or two and maybe spill over into a couple of months until the draft. What are we talking about? What are we excited about? Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And in 2 Kings 22, he got word of the law of the Lord. And he started reading and he ran his clothes. And he went on a rampage, so to speak. And he got rid of all the idolatry that is accumulated in One boy, one boy. We need some more boys that are going to start thinking like men. And nobody had to compel him. He was compelled by God. I'll leave you with this final thought and I'll be done. How did the idolatry get into the temple? You think somebody showed up with the U-Haul one day and said, okay, boys, let's pile it in. You know how it got into the temple? A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. At the end of a year, at the end of five years, at the end of a decade, what do you have? A temple wholly given over to idolatry. Is it time to do some house cleaning in your life? Is there, are there some things that have built up over time that you've not looking at because it's just been over time and it's not? Look, it's never going to be everything got dumped on me at once. That rarely happens. It rarely happens. Nobody goes, nobody is going for the first time to the game tonight and getting completely out of their sober mind. It doesn't happen. It's over time it builds, and then we may do, we, we, we all may need to do some house cleaning. Are there idols that have built up in our minds or in our hearts or in our lives or in our homes that needs to go? There's nothing wrong with football, but there's something wrong with idolatry. We have to stop using, well, it's not a sin as an excuse to make something an idolatrous sin. May God help us all to give him full praise and full glory.